You are Locked On Horn Frogs. Your daily podcast on the TCU Horn Frogs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Welcome into Locked On Horn Frogs. Stephen Simcox here with you. It is uh, your daily TCU podcast. Wednesday, February 3rd is the date today. And thanks for tuning in with me. It is National Signing Day Round 2. So here in segment one, we'll break down uh, what the frogs are doing on the second National Signing Day here in February. And segment two, we'll get into uh, TCU basketball. It's the floor tonight against Oklahoma State. Uh, a game they actually, you know, this opponent they beat earlier in the season in Stillwater on the road. So this game in Fort Worth at 8 o'clock, we'll uh, kind of break that down, see where they stand going into this one. They have been more competitive the past few times out. And then in segment three, uh, ESPN.com had an interesting story a few days ago. They ranked all the uh, FBS football teams into different tiers, all 130 of them, put them in different tiers. And I, I just wanted to let you know where TCU fell and what I sort of thought about it. They singled TCU out in the specific tier that they were in as a team that might be able to make a jump. So we'll talk about that in segment three. But wanted to start today with uh, National Signing Day. Obviously, it's round two. And over the years, this has become – um, kind of a quieter day, and uh, this year for TCU, that's definitely the case as well. Um, one guy that they're targeting that I'm not sure if he's going to sign today. The chatter is that he might, but Abraham Kamara, he is a safety out of Coffeyville uh, Community College, and his hometown is he's from Georgia originally, but he only spent one year there at Coffeyville Community College, and he didn't play a whole lot, obviously, because um, you know, they had a shortened season with, with COVID. So he only appeared in a few games, um, not a lot of tape on him. He's a three-star prospect, but um, he is one of the better safeties in the JUCO ranks. In fact, in, in junior college ranks, he is the top safety in the nation. Now, uh, he only has, it looks like right now, TCU is the only Power 5 offer he has. He also has an offer from Hawaii. Um, he's gotten some interest from smaller schools. But TCU is the leader in the clubhouse right now, according to 247 Sports. So he's going to make uh, he's gonna make his decision. And, again, not a like super highly sought-after prospect, but adding some depth to that safety spot, you need some immediate help there. He's going to be able to play right away. And, you know, here's my thing. I saw some people yesterday as I was just kind of looking and researching him, some TCU fans, they were like, well, I mean, you know, he's – He's not a big, uh, highly ranked guy. Um, not going to get too excited about this. And, like, I'm not pounding the table here for, for Abraham. I don't know what kind of player he's going to turn out to be. But I just think it's kind of amazing. If there's any if there's any position group that I'm going to give the benefit of the doubt to, like if Gary Patterson and uh, Paul Gonzalez and Jeremy Modkins think that a player is good enough to play safety at TCU and play safety in a Power 5 level – I'll trust them because uh, they keep churning out great players at those spots. I mean, they're going to have a couple safeties in Trayvon Berrigan and Darius Washington that I believe are going to get drafted in the first couple days of this year's NFL draft. And uh, I just – I trust those guys to develop these young prospects into really good players. So I think that Kamara is going to be a solid player for TCU. And uh, he's coming in from community college. He'll be able to hit the ground running. They have a need there. You know, they have a lot of guys that, that left from that position. So it makes sense to go after him. 
And, I mean, that's pretty much going to be um, – that, that's the only target I'm really seeing. So, unless we're surprised today by someone else, uh, I think he could be one of the few players that signs. Now, you do have a few preferred walk-ons. I also saw yesterday uh, Sam Foreman, who is a linebacker from Alito. He's going to come into TCU as a preferred walk-on. And uh, he told Jeremy Clark at, at Horn Frog Blitz – that this is a dream come true for him. He said, and this is a quote, I love TCU and obviously it's home. I want to stay close to home and be close to family. So for me, it's an immediate yes. So this is a, a dream school for him, dream situation. Um, and, and that's, you know, kind of the story you're going to see a lot today with these preferred walk-ons as guys that wanted to play at the Power 5 level. Maybe they didn't get the most interest in the world from those types of schools, but getting the opportunity to play at TCU, they're going to jump at it. And, uh, you know, Foreman's his dream, he says, is to try to get a scholarship at some point. But this makes sense. I mean, he is a, a, a coming from a great program in Alito. TCU already has some Alito players on the roster, uh, Wyatt and Wes Harris, Colt Ellison, and Rhett Harris. Alito is in the state title game almost every year. So Sam's going to come in. He knows how to play. Um, he stands at 6'4", 220. So a little undersized, but hey, maybe there's a, a place for him on this roster. That's a, another player that you're going to see um, signed today as a preferred walk-on. He'll be on campus in the fall. But pretty quiet day for TCU uh, as far as recruiting goes, and that's not um, atypical for big-time programs now. Most teams are getting these guys signed in December. They're getting them um, enrolled early as uh as players and getting them in a semester early so uh, i wouldn't be too alarmed at the fact that they're not really signing uh many players this year and it looks like they're probably going to finish um the the cycle at least in the 247 rankings 61st overall in the nation and ninth in the big 12 last year they were third and they were 24th in the nation you know keep in mind this is a small class it looks like only 15 or 14 15 guys are going to sign 15 guys, 16 guys if you include some of the um, transfers they had come in. They also had uh, Aaron Hackett, who's a grad transfer from Syracuse, commit a few days ago. So he'll be part of this class as well. He just won't be, you know, part of the uh, high school rankings. Um, I'm not going to totally blow it off that they finish ninth. I mean, that is an issue. Now, if, if you look at uh, – some of the guys they signed, I think there's a lot of potential in this class. They did end up signing two four-star players, which is more than Iowa State did who finished ahead of them. It's more than Kansas did who finished ahead of them. It's the same amount of four-stars as Baylor signed, which finished ahead of them. So there is something to be said about, you know, this is more of a quantity issue, this go-around. But I do think it's worth noting this was not what uh, – We've come to expect from them they have done better in the recruiting rankings the last few years. Just not going to be the case this year. Coming up next, let's talk some basketball. Before we do that, let's talk about Built Bar. Uh, Built Bar is the most delicious protein bar ever. I love it. They sent me a box a couple weeks ago, and I got through it quickly. Um, I love the peanut butter flavor. I love the chocolate brownie. Cookies and cream is really good as well. And you might say, well, it's delicious. It can't be good for you. No, it, it actually is. It's only 180 calories. It's good fuel for your body. Um, you know, they, they have the science down. It, it's great to eat before a workout. It's a great snack to have just to kind of get you through the day. If you're like, man, I'm, I'm, I really indulge myself with kind of bad, unhealthy snacks. 
throughout the day because I get hungry. I totally understand that. Try Built Bar because it's filling and it's good for you. If you go to BuiltBar.com and use the promo code LOCKEDON, you can get 20% off your next order. So give that a shot. Go to BuiltBar.com, use the promo code LOCKEDON. It's a good gift. Hey, I mean, I don't know what your partner's into. Maybe for Valentine's Day, you send them a Built Bar. I wouldn't say that's the only thing you should get them. But, hey, give it a try. Order a shipment of Built Bar today. Again, that's BuiltBar.com. Promo code is locked on. Back on Locked on Horn Frog, segment number two coming your way. Again, it's uh, Wednesday, February 3rd. Appreciate you joining me today. And let's talk some basketball. Um, we got a game tonight, TCU and Oklahoma State, 8 o'clock. And if you'll remember, this was a game that the Frogs actually stole um, earlier this year in Stillwater. They were down – Late in the game, they had a huge comeback. R.J. Nimhard was great down the stretch, and they beat Oklahoma State and Cade Cunningham. So coming back around, this time the game's in Fort Worth. Looking at the line, Oklahoma State currently favored by four and a half. You know, Oklahoma State's playing better than they were early in the season. They're 11-4. and They're coming off a nice win over Arkansas in the Big 12 SEC Challenge. They're 4-4 and in conference play. TCU is struggling. But I have some hope for tonight just because this team has played better the last few games. Um, you know, took Kansas to the wire in what was really a rock fight, but they hung in there and uh, stayed in it until the bitter end. And then we all know what happened with Mizzou. It was just a, a frustrating loss, really tough loss for the Frogs. Um, but they're definitely playing better. And the effort's been better since coming back from the COVID shutdown. Oklahoma State, very talented. Cade Cunningham, great player. And um, I, I think he's become a lot more assertive. You know, they played Cade early in the year. It, he was still, I think, 10 games into his freshman season. And in that Arkansas game, I watched the last few minutes of that one, you could just see down the stretch of those games, uh, of that game, excuse me, um, he was in complete control. He wanted the ball in his hand. He was uh, – making things happen. I believe the winning shot, they got an offensive rebound, they kicked it back out to him at the top of the key, and he broke somebody down off the dribble and, and hit a mid-range shot from the elbow as, as time was running down to win that one. So um, he's a really good player. Isaac Likely is also a great player for Oklahoma State, and he's a veteran. He's been there for a few seasons, uh, a, a good combo guard for the Pokes. Fun matchup, though, tonight, TCU and Oklahoma State. And, um, again, there's just there's no easy wins in the Big 12. So, if you could steal another one tonight, that would be a good a good start because on Saturday you play Baylor, which as, as much as I, you know, kind of hate saying it, they look like the best team in the country. We're actually going to talk some Baylor basketball tomorrow. And then Iowa State, um, that game is on Tuesday night, next Tuesday night. 8 o'clock, so that might be a, a, a way to get a win because Iowa State still has not won a conference game. But Baylor, you're certainly going to be an underdog. Texas, you're going to be an underdog. Texas Tech, you play back-to-back games against the Red Raiders um, following that Iowa State-Texas, you know, back-to-back. So this is – I mean, there's just no way around it. It's a, a brutal conference. There's not a lot of games left where TCU basketball is going to be favored to win. So a chance today against an unranked team, a talented team, but a young team that has been sort of inconsistent to get a victory and continue to improve um, on your conference record. Tommy chimed in on Twitter, and again, I'd love to hear from you. Um, I don't always do a great job of letting you know where you can find me, but the show Twitter account is at LockedOnTCU. 
and my Twitter account is at Simcox Steven. So if you want to hit me up on um, either account and just give me some feedback, ask me a question, I'd love to hear from you. And I interacted with him a little bit after that Mizzou debacle, but he hit me back and said uh, he, he thinks one thing that this team is missing is more skilled big men like uh, like Vlad. And if you remember Vladimir uh, Bronanski, who's now playing overseas, he was a heck of a player for TCU. Uh, Tommy said if he were on this team, they would be really good. Think of all those pick and rolls where Kevin sets the pick and stays at the three-point line. If that was someone that could shoot, they'd get a clean look every time. And if not, the middle defender would not be able to drop down and clog the lane. Having a stretch five would really open things up. There's a reason traditional big men are not thriving in the league anymore. And, you know, Tommy, that's a really good point. Um, I have been saying all year long, I think they need to get Kevin Samuel more involved. But one thing about Kev is he is your traditional big man. I mean, he's a guy that's going to run down to the block, get the ball in the post, and uh, try to go to work. And that does sort of clog things up on the inside because he doesn't have the ability to pull his defender outside the hoop by knocking down jump shots. Now, I will say, you know, I think there are some other teams in the league that don't have big men who can really do that and challenge that, but they're still able to get good spacing in the pick and roll. I feel like the bigger problem, Tommy, is that TCU as a whole just doesn't have a lot of good shooters. I mean, Mike is a good shooter, but he's not a catch-and-shoot guy. I mean, he's somebody that's going to do most of his damage off the dribble. RJ the same way. Uh, Chuck O'Bannon is a is a good shooter, but he's been in and out of the lineup, and it hasn't always been consistent. P.J. Fuller is not a jump shooter. Uh, you know, Taryn Todd does not appear to be a jump shooter. Francisco Farabello is a, a, a pretty pure shooter, but, again, another guy that's just been banged up all season long, whether it's injury or COVID, he hasn't been available a lot. So, they, they have to find a way to improve that spacing, and that's going to happen in the offseason. I mean, you can't do a whole lot about that right now. But you're right. If they had a stretch five or just a big man who could challenge folks from, you know, more than just inside the paint with two feet in the paint, that could help open up this offense a lot. And maybe that's one of the issues that the offense seems so stagnant is because, you know, they, they just – they're having trouble um, – getting their spacing down and opening things up. So that's something I hadn't considered. Uh, unfortunately, that's just that's going to be a, something they're going to have to solve in the offseason, whether it be having a big man who can hit shots from the perimeter or bringing in some dead-eye shooters. That, that'll that be an offseason project for Jamie Dixon and his staff because you're right, they don't have that guy right now, and they're just not a good shooting team. So the way for them to win is to kind of grind out games. And that's, that's another reason why the Mizzou game was so frustrating because they actually did shoot the ball really well against the Tigers. Like, that was their best offensive game of the year by far, and they still found a way to lose because they just couldn't close things out down the stretch. So that was just a huge missed opportunity. But a chance to bounce back tonight. We'll see how they do against Oklahoma State. Again, that game at 8 o'clock, and it's on ESPN2 if you want to tune in. We'll come back and wrap things up next. But first, let's talk about betonline.ag. BetOnline.ag, your online sportsbook expert. Super Bowl is on Sunday. Perfect time to try out BetOnline.ag because there's a lot of action you can get in on. You can just bet the line as of today. Chiefs minus three. That's the line that was set by BetOnline.ag. But they also have great advice for you, uh, you know, on, on some prop bets. On the over-under, 
everything Super Bowl wise you can get at betonline.ag. If you use the promo code locked on when you sign up, you'll get a 50% welcome bonus. Lee Sterling from Paramount Sports runs this. He runs a podcast, Locked On Bets, that airs every day on our network and gives great gambling advice. Make yourself some money today. They also do college basketball, college football, and they have the latest news as well. So if you need injury reports, news on what's going on, everything that affects the line, that comes from betonline.ag. Use their website today. Final segment on Locked on Horn Frogs coming your way. Let's talk some football. Hey, don't forget, I know I tell you a lot, and if you listen to the pod often, I'm sure you get tired of it. But I do want to let you know, uh, please subscribe to the show wherever you listen, and I'd appreciate that. And also, um, if you know, you'd know you like to give me a review, that'd be helpful as well because it just it's good advertising for the show. If somebody stumbles upon it on Apple Podcasts, on Stitcher, or wherever, they might find it, and they see, oh, this has, you know, a number of five-star reviews. I'll check it out. They're probably going to be more willing to check it out if they see uh, that people are enjoying it. So you can subscribe, you can review the show, and then again, as I said earlier, follow me on Twitter. I'm at SimcockSteven, and uh, the show's Twitter account is at LockedOnTCU. Wanted to talk some football in this last segment, and earlier I talked on uh, or talked about National Signing Day. Expect this to be a quiet day for the Frogs. If anything changes, I'll try to update folks on Twitter at LockedOnTCU and, and make some adjustments on uh, tomorrow's pod, but I saw this story come out on ESPN.com and they ranked all 130 FBS schools and they put them in different tiers. So there's 10 tiers and tier one uh, was national title contenders. So there was one big 12 team in this group. It was Oklahoma. Overall, the five were Alabama, Clemson, Georgia, Ohio State, Oklahoma. I don't really have a lot of complaints there. I think OU should probably be in the mix. You know, it felt like once they got Spencer Rattler going and that defense sort of improved as the season went on, they again looked like the class of the Big 12 at the end of the season. And I really think it would be better for the league if somebody could knock them off. But they've been the closest, even though they've had some tough losses in the playoffs. They have them in the closest in this league to actually having some success and breaking through and making a national title game. The next tier is knocking on the door. And that tier has Florida, North Carolina, Notre Dame, Oregon, Penn State, Texas, and Texas A&M. So as much as I like to give the Aggies a hard time, it's hard for me to argue for them being there. Now, I do think once you got past Alabama, the SEC West was kind of down this year. LSU had a really rough season coming off the national title. Uh, Auburn was not as good as they had been. They ended up firing Gus Malzahn. Mississippi State was a mess after Mike Leach, you know, surprised LSU in game one. Everybody quickly figured out what he was doing. Um, Old Miss was improved under Lane Kiffin. But I think overall, the West in Arkansas was improved, even though they finished 3-7. and seven. Uh, and they would have gotten steamrolled by TCU. I can, I hope, I can say that because the game wasn't played. We'll just all believe that here on Locked On Horn Frogs. Too bad we couldn't actually see that in action. But anyway, I, I do think the SEC West was down, but A&M took care of their business last year. I think Jimbo Fisher is doing a nice job there. As much as I like to make fun of the Aggies, and I feel like it's going to be tough for them because they're always going to have to get past Alabama as long as Saban's there. I think that's fair. Texas. I mean, come on. We always do this, and I think the Steve Sarkeesian hire was a good hire, and I've been impressed with the staff that he's built so far. But what has Texas proven? I mean, like, 
they were in the Big 12 title race last year, but they didn't make it. They ended up losing to Iowa State at home, which would have put them basically in the title game. Maybe Steve Sarkeesian fixes that. I just I think it's a little, little premature to say they're knocking on the door. Let's see if they can win a conference title first. How about that? But you might be wondering, hey, where did TCU end up? They ended up in Tier 5, which was titled High Floor and Low Ceiling. Here are the teams that ended up with TCU. Boise State, Coastal Carolina, Indiana, Kentucky, NC State, Northwestern, TCU, Utah, West Virginia. So some good programs in there. I mean, Utah didn't have a great season and a very short Pac-12 season, but they've been very good under Kyle Whittingham. Boise State, Coastal Carolina, good group of five schools. Uh, Indiana, Northwestern coming off surprising really good years. Kentucky has kind of established themselves as uh, a middle-of-the-pack SEC team under Mark Stoops. NC State, they always always feels like they finish between six and eight wins. West Virginia, Neil Brown, doing a nice job, I think, there. Here's how ESPN explained this tier. Every team in this tier probably is a safer bet to finish in the top 25 than the tier above, but the odds of actually pushing for the playoff aren't nearly as good. This is a group of good but not great teams who aren't going to disappoint, but won't provide too much excitement either. Now, to me, that seems like basically what this team was last year. I'd argue I think you could take a slight step up because they mainly beat teams with losing records last season. They were a good team, not a great team. Didn't feel like they could compete with actual contenders in the conference or across the nation. Now, there's an interesting note here at the end. It says, among the group, TCU perhaps offers the most upside. Horn Frogs checked in at number 41 in offensive EPA and 65th in explosiveness. Neither number is particularly good, and for much of the year, TCU seemed to lack anything approaching an offensive identity. But Gary Patterson's team finished the year by winning five of six, including four games, scoring 30 or more. If the Horned Frogs can find a little spark on offense in 2021, they have a real chance in the Big 12. So I'd agree with a lot of that. Now, I think the identity thing is interesting, and we talked about that at length. I felt like that was the word of the pod once I started it and it carried through the fall. What's the identity on offense? I feel like they have an identity. I think they want to run the football. Now, I just... I don't believe that you can beat really good teams the way they played offense last year. I feel like it's a very safe way to play offense. You're hoping your quarterback doesn't make mistakes, and you can beat Texas Tech and Baylor and, uh, you know, Kansas, obviously. But you're not going to beat OU. They upset Texas early in the year. But you're not going to get over the top doing that. You're going to have to be able to throw the ball more consistently. So that's the key. But I just found that interesting. Okay, so ESPN has them as a good, not great team going into 2021. I think expectations are high in the TCU community. And we'll see where it lands here in a couple months. Coming up tomorrow, uh, I'll have a guest on to preview TCU Baylor on Saturday. And we'll also get you ready for uh, the rest of the weekend. This is Locked On Horn Frogs, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.